Well, good morning, and um, I'm really excited about the, the series of preaching that your church is having about discipleship, and um, this, this year, the first, first week of January sometime, I saw one of those memes that keeps popping up year after year, I think, in the first week of January. It said, this year I want to be more like Jesus, uh, hang out with sinners upset religious people, tell stories that make people think, choose unpopular friends, be kind, loving, and merciful, and take naps on boats. <laughs> um, take nap, take, taking a nap on a boat comes up in today's uh, scripture passage. Um, if you have your Bible with you, please open it to um, Mark chapter 4. If you have your cell phone, open your cell phone to Mark chapter 4. And um, it would just be great to have the text in front of you as I go. I'm, I'm going to, um, without being too long, I'm going to attempt to just breeze over all the stories in Mark chapter 4 this morning to help us think about discipleship. Um, how many gardeners do we have in this congregation? Anybody grow a garden last year? Yeah, good. Well, Carol and I have a garden, but uh, our garden's really small. It's about 10 feet by 15 feet. And so we only plant small amounts of anything. Uh, last year, I planted somewhere between 8 and 10 um, hills of green beans. Uh, and I planted a kind called Trail of Tears. Trail of Tears beans are a climbing bean, so you have to put up something with strings for them to climb. And I planted either eight or ten hills with two seeds, so somewhere between 16 and 20 seeds total I planted. They grew, and they grew, and they grew uh, up, you know, huge wall of green beans vines and then they started producing and we picked and ate all the green beans that two people can eat if you're not gonna you know um, can them or something and so beans kept growing and it's a perennial so it keeps producing no matter as long as it doesn't freeze that it just keeps producing and blooming and so we eat as many of the green ones as we could and then we let the other ones go dry so I planted 16, possibly 20 seeds. How many, we, we then picked all the dry pods and we, we husked them and put them in a bag in our kitchen. How many, green, how many beans, little black beans, do you think we got? Huh? 100, okay. Anybody want to go higher than 100? 1,000, I like that. Okay, I didn't count them. How many pounds of beans do you think I got? 500. That's really a big number. We got about two pounds. You can picture a pound of beans, right? The little plastic bag they sell in the grocery store. I would guess there's at least a thousand in one pound. I don't know. I didn't count them. But it's just really crazy, isn't it? 16 seeds turns into two pounds of black beans, which means, I don't know, 
something like six cups that then, you know, each cup turns into maybe two cups of cooked beans. It's a lot of food. All the parables in Mark chapter 4 today are about growing seeds. And so I just um, want you to just have that picture in your mind that you can picture 16 little black seeds turning into more than two pounds of beans. I'm going to guess somewhere around, you gave 1,000, right? I'm going to guess somewhere around 2,000, but I don't know. Someone, someone who's a mathematician could figure out um, what percent increase that was. I would love for somebody to tell me that later on in the sermon when I get to the point where I, I talk about growing seeds, all right? So somebody who's ready could figure that out later or, or in time for me when I get there because I didn't do that. Carol and I are reading along with you the um, Lent Bible study devotional by N.T. Wright. Are you all reading it? Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. And the, the one reading that stuck out to me the most that I can't get out of my mind since I read it was from chapter 3, verses 13 and 19. Um, N.T. Wright has us read the little passage where Jesus names the 12 disciples. And then he says... He goes into a story about uh, Libya and an alternative government being appointed in one side of Libya and Muammar Gaddafi is still the president of Libya, but there's this alternative government that's popping up and claiming territory. And he says that when Jesus names these 12 disciples, we should see it as radically as if an alternative government has sprung up in, in the land of Israel. And Jesus is, is announcing that there's a new 12 tribes and there's this new government of the kingdom of God that's being um, birthed right now. And this, this, this uh, week as I've been preparing, I've been reading Mark 4 then as a revolutionary document. One that should shake us up, make us take notice, uh, make us expect that things are supposed to be different than they are. I think I see in it a radical call to lay down my life for my leader. Not, not Fidel Castro, not Che Guevara, but my leader, Jesus, who's, who's a revolutionary leader. I see that call here. And so I want to look at the, the passage that way. I see in it a sort of an all or nothing. Either you trust Jesus completely and follow him or don't bother. But there's not a halfway ground. So, if you look at the text, you can start in chapter 4. As the parable of the sower. Probably, I don't know, it's got to be one of the most preached on passages. And the one that you learned in Sunday school and... Um, maybe planted, maybe you read it. I know that I read this in Sunday school and then our teacher had us plant beans in cups. And then week after week we watched our little bean plants grow and, and we learned this passage. Uh, you know, it says that a sower went out to sow and he scattered seed everywhere. Some of the seed fell on the path, some fell among the rocks, some 
fell on, uh, among the weeds and some fell on good soil. And you know, Jesus told that parable to the crowds. And then it says, Jesus explained it to his disciples. And he said, now you, you my disciples, you've been given a secret. The secret of the kingdom has already been revealed to you. The Greek word is the mysterion of the kingdom has been revealed to you. This great mystery. Because see, for, for thousands of years, the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah to come. And Jesus' disciples know the Messiah is here. That's the secret. The secret to understanding the passage is that the Messiah is here. Jesus is Jesus, in this passage, when he explains it, Jesus says he's the one who's sowing the seed. And the seed is the word of the kingdom. And the word is really a powerful thing. When the word hits good soil, what happens? 30%, 50%, 100% return. And I'm pretty sure my garden story, my garden is way more than 100%, but someone's going to find that out for us. Huh? 10,000. We got a 10,000% return on those 16 seeds. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. When you plant a seed, it is amazingly uh, full of potential beyond your wildest dreams. So Jesus told his disciples they had the secret to the kingdom. Now, there's that word, the kingdom of God, and in the title of the sermon I said, living the kingdom as disciples of Jesus in the real world. What is the kingdom of God? I don't know. There's no definition given in the Bible. There's a lot of examples, and this Mark chapter 4, each one of the parables is about the kingdom of God and says the kingdom of God is like, and then it tells a story about planting seeds and growing things. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like a sower who went out to sow, the kingdom of God is like uh, someone who planted, we'll get there in a minute, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. So Really simply, I'm sure we all agree, the kingdom of God would be the place where God's rule and God's reign are completely being fulfilled and you, you're living under this king. Are you experiencing that right now in East Petersburg? I'm not in Lancaster, by the way. I don't know about East Petersburg, but I don't see God's rule and reign being completely fulfilled in my community. But I'm also aware, I'm aware of hints of places where it is being fulfilled. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's here. It's among us. Jesus told us over and over in the New Testament. The kingdom's here. I brought it, says Jesus. I've brought the kingdom. You're my disciples. You're to live according to my, my kingdom rules. 
But where do the disciples live? They live in a very real world with a lot of pressures and problems and I mean, we've got this horrible war going on in Ukraine. Does that look like God's kingdom is in control right now? And it doesn't look like it to me, but I'm not God, right? But as far as I can see, that's not what Jesus wants to happen. Well, so what is the kingdom of God? I would suggest we read the Sermon on the Mount and do the things that Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. That's got to be part of what kingdom of God is like. Jesus and the gospel writers don't ever clearly write out the kingdom of God is A, B, C, D. No. But, over and over, Jesus says, this is what it's like. And all his examples are things that produce, that are high-yielding, prolific that generate new life, that are rich and lush, lush and flourishing. So, I'm asking, what does it mean for me and you to live as Jesus' disciples in the real world and participate in the kingdom of God? When I read... Oh, i gotta, I got to go back to these parables. A couple more items to, to, to not miss... So the first one we did. The second one is the lamp on the stand. Jesus says, do you bring out a lamp and then put it under your bed? No. You put it on a stand for everybody to see. I'm pretty sure he's saying, just like he said before, you've, you've been, he told his disciples, you have the secret of the kingdom. Here he's saying, I'm the light of the world. Put me on a stand because I'm supposed to shine everywhere. In the parable of the growing seed, he says, the kingdom of God is like a man who went out and scattered seed on the ground. And then, night or day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, and he does not know how it grows, but all by itself, the seed produces, the soil produces grain. First a stalk, then the, a plant uh, then a head of grain with growing grain inside, then the full grain, and then they put the sickle to it and they harvest it because it's ripe. And then immediately the text goes straight into another parable that says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the tiniest of all the seeds, and yet when it grows, it makes a plant so big that a bird could build its nest in it. Again, you get this picture in these three parables, you get the same picture over and over again. The kingdom of God is like a seed. If you plant it, it's going to grow, and it's going to produce, and it's going to produce more than you expect. Unless, Jesus warns, unless you've got a hard heart, you've got rocky soil, and you're not allowing the kingdom of God roots to go deep into your soul and transform you, or unless you only care about the things of this world and the worries of this world and, what's it say, the deception of wealth. Those things choke out the plant and don't let it grow, Jesus said. But when, when good seed hits good soil, you get 16 beans turning into 2 pounds of beans. 
you get a hundred percent return or a thousand or ten thousand percent return. The story continues. The disciples, after this is, you know, these these parables are at the peak of Jesus' teaching. He's very popular. There's, I didn't mention it, but there's so many people at the place where Jesus is teaching these that he gets into a rowboat and he sits on the lake, or maybe it's bigger than a rowboat because later they sail across the lake. Jesus tells these parables while he's standing in a boat looking at the people on the shore. The crowd is so big, he needs a platform to speak from. This is all at Jesus' height of popularity. And then... He tells the disciples, let's go across the other side. Let's get away from this crowd. Jesus falls asleep in the boat. A storm comes up, and the disciples are terrified, and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're all going to drown? And Jesus wakes up. He speaks a word, and the storm is calm. And he says, why are you afraid? It's almost like he's teasing them, N.T. Wright said. Are you, why are you afraid? Don't you have faith? But they're terrified. And they say, who in the world is this? Who's with us? This is, this is more than their little minds can, decide, can, can decipher at the moment. And so, back to us and the main point I want to make about how I read these parables is that the disciples are us, and we're the disciples. We're committed. I'm assuming that most of you are are baptized and committed followers of Jesus. You want to be his disciples just like the 12. They were Jesus's disciples. They were committed to him. They had actually left their jobs to follow him. They They were all in, right? doesn't seem to be any doubt about that. They were 100% in following Jesus. And then he tells them a parable, and they don't understand. And he explains it to them, and he says, you still don't understand? How many people feel that way? I feel that way. When I think about how am I supposed to live as a faithful disciple in my community, I have these teachings of Jesus, and I see the reality, and I say, oh, Jesus, I still don't understand. Help me. It's not simple. We are the disciples in this passage. So you have the crowds, and you have Jesus, and the disciples, and the context is the real world with real people and real problems. Jesus has really high expectations, and yet he knows our nature, just like he knew his 12 disciples. Jesus knew his disciples. He knows you and me. I think the question for us is, will you live out the kingdom of God in your everyday life? On your job, on your street, in your home, with your children, with your spouse, with your friends. Will you be an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Will you say yes to that? In fact, would you like to say yes to that? Anybody want to... Venture to, I, I'm going to raise my hand and say, yes, I would like to do that. Would any of you like to join me in that? Do you feel frightened about it? I feel 
a little bit frightened because I think if I say yes to that, it comes with some real expectations. Jesus is, actually has expectations of me as a disciple about how I would live and what I would say and what I would do. But I'm really encouraged by the seed and the, the growth of the seeds because it tells me the power and the life doesn't come from me. The farmer in verses um, 26 to, what, 29, it says whether he scatters the seed and then night and day whether he sleeps or gets up. Whether he does anything more with the seed or not, the seed is going to sprout and grow and produce a harvest. I find that tremendously encouraging. It doesn't depend on my abilities. I do know, I think though, I do have to plant kingdom seeds. I, in my life, in my words, my actions, Jesus wants me to plant the seeds of the kingdom. How I speak to my children, how I speak to my wife, how I work in my job. And we know there's going to be storms. A storm came up with Jesus and his disciples and they were afraid. And Jesus spoke a word and everything was calm. It's interesting that Jesus says in the parable of the sower, when he's explaining the, the parable to his disciples, he makes it clear to them that he's the one sowing and it's his word. And so they're going to be going out and sowing his word. And that means you and I go out and sow the word of Jesus. And it's powerful. I think the disciples, one of the reasons they're, they're so terrified and, and then they're, they're, they're frightened by the storm, but then they're even more frightened, it seems, by who Jesus really is. It seems to me that up until this point, they were underestimating who they were following. And now they're saying, wow, this actually is the King of Kings. Okay, application, and then we'll close. It's so simple. Get close to Jesus. Jesus' disciples were close to him. In fact, we read the, the Gospels. They, everywhere they went, they walked as a group. They slept in the same places. They ate all their meals together. Whatever Jesus was doing, the disciples were with him for three years, day and night, day in, day out. They were close. So I think the first lesson for me and for all of us is, are you that close to Jesus? Get close to Jesus. He called the twelve, when the, in chapter 3, when Jesus calls the twelve, he says specifically his purpose he called the twelve so that they might be with him. That's what Jesus wanted them for. He wanted them to be with him. Second, follow Jesus wherever he leads you. And this, is, this I think, is, a, is really freeing. I'm not called to lead worship. And I'm not called to 
run a small business. I've got a particular calling that God has on my life, but he's got one special for every single person, and, and you don't have to be like anybody else. Get close to Jesus and follow where he leads you. That's one and two. And three, Jesus wants you to plant seeds of the kingdom. What do I mean by seeds of the kingdom? I've mentioned it already throughout. I'll just repeat. Seeds of the kingdom. Well, living like Jesus taught us to live in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. If you live that way, you're going to be scattering good seed everywhere you go. People are going to want to be around you. Planting good seeds of the kingdom also means doing what uh, we see in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, Jesus is about the sheep and the goats the on the final judgment day. And what, what does Jesus say the judgment is about? It's, it's all, it all hinges on these things, he says. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick, and visit those in prison. I think those are kingdom seeds. If we do those things, it's just like planting seed in the ground, and it's I'm certain it will bear fruit. Trust, and to close, I just want to say trust Jesus. His word is powerful to accomplish all that he intends to establish. Jesus' word is powerful to establish the kingdom of God in your neighborhood, in your home, in your heart, at your job. So, Get close to Jesus, follow wherever he leads you, and plant the seeds of the kingdom. And when you do, you're going to reap a harvest. You're going to see things sprout and grow and mature and make new seeds. So let's close with prayer. Thank you, Father for providing for us in such clear and simple ways how you want us to live out the kingdom. We've looked at Jesus' teaching today. I pray you would help us to draw close to him. Help me, help us to trust Jesus and follow him wherever we go. And make us uh, good sowers of good seeds so that your kingdom can grow. We, we put all our trust and hope in you, and I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.